0: This morning's uh, message, well, it's entitled, There's Always Hope. Okay, there is always hope. And as we sort of wind down this huge election year, I mean, it's been hard to take. Uh, it's been hard to look at. It's been hard to hear, hard to see. All these unbelievable revelations that we're having, uh, we always knew that there was lies and corruption, but to the extent that we see it, uh, it's just, it can be very overwhelming. You can kind of just kind of like throw your hands up, go buy your dry bananas and find a wooded place to go hide. Uh, but that's not what we're called to do. We're absolutely not. That's what the enemy wants you to do. So I felt that this week coming, that the Lord wanted me to dive in, and I, and I have it's a little bit different because I got to do a good bit of reading, but we're going to have some church history and some American history, okay? History means it happened, so you can go find a book, you can go back and read it, check the dates and the people, it's recorded, and so that's what we're going to do today to combat maybe uh, the discouragement you might have or giving up no matter what, which way Tuesday goes, whatever way you lean is up to you and God. Uh, but it's, it's going to go a certain way, whichever way that is. So the opening text is found in Ecclesiastes one 9 i I'm going to read it in two different translations. The first one's a bit tongue twister, maybe kind of stop you from understanding, but it simply says this, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Okay, we look at this day and age that we're in, and we're going. I've never seen a day and age like this before in all my life. I, this is the lowest we've ever been as a nation. It's it's so disgusting. I thought this would be in my grandchildren's life, not mine. Well, so here it is. Now, Ecclesiastes one nine, a New Living Translation, will clear it up a little bit. History merely repeats itself. Nothing new going on. No great shock. I mean, you might be shocked, but it's because we don't pay attention to the Word of God like we should. Simply says history merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. There's nothing under the sun that's truly new. Meaning, the state of the morality of our nation, the condition it's in, the depths that it has fallen, we're not breaking records. We're not getting worse than we've ever been. It simply is something that history repeats. And as we, you see this, I hope that you see your part. Because just like the three people that we've mentioned, uh, Dixie's horribly sick in bed. And I don't think in her heart that she thinks it's just a merely thing that you've just done for her. She's desperately needing touch from God and for the people to stand in the gap for her. So just like our nation, which is desperately in bed on life support, and the people of Almighty God got to ramp it up and reach out and touch Almighty God for the sake of the nation that he has put us in, which is America. So Luke 18.1 states this. And he spake a parable, a story unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Don't faint. And I know that we do. And I know that the news media and all the various things and newspapers and internet helped in that fainting. that word faint means to get weak or to be weary of it all. Just wore out with it. To be weary. To fail in heart or to lose heart. We can't do nothing. We don't have that kind of money or clout. So the question is like, how can I not, Pastor? How can I not? When you look at our society and our current leaders. In the senseless shooting. Another policeman killed in New York the other day. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred our hope dragged out make it the heart sick or weak and that can happen and when we get sick and weak our arms go down and we stop doing that which we are called to do whether you see anything or not you're to walk by faith the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen god touch our nation So, God, God's word tells us over and over, men not always to pray and not to faint. Don't faint. Don't faint. The purpose of this parallel is that we might not lose heart in prayer, in seeking God. The enemy has already deceived us and tricked us, he's taken the oomph and the power out of that word prayer. When I say, we'll be praying for the election tonight, it's just, okay. The enemy wants you, absolutely wants you to feel that God has abandoned us. America is so bad, it deserves what it gets. We don't see any light at the end of this tunnel that we're in. Doesn't seem to be any kind of movement at all concerning the situation that we've been praying about. Prayer is embedded in the history of our nation. It cannot be taken out and the nation continue to live. It cannot. So now I want to show you a little bit of some American history concerning the people of America and the church. Not that far back. I was alive. I remember it. I'm sure a lot of you will, too. You have that Apollo clip. Who was alive back then? Amen. I remember it. I wasn't saved, yet I prayed. I prayed for them. We do have a history of praying in this nation when a crisis comes. And I'm going to show you something later on that no news has showed you later on at the end of this message. Today I know and understand we face what seems to be hopeless conditions in America. It's just crazy what's going on. Gross immorality. That's why I told you I can't even stand to watch that Walter's World to to see the depths and the people that have fallen that the Lord has died for. Uh, Crime has taken over our streets. I mean, just the shooting of our policemen alone is, is sick and the perversion that fills our society. Drunkenness. The drug abuse, I'm hearing almost entire counties are given over to um, what we would call legal drugs uh, everywhere. Our schools, our children, it's just pathetic. God has been rejected. He has in our most of our citizens right now in America. Virtually kicked out of our government and our schools, pretty much. I mean, unless you are a believer and walk in the school, that's about the only God that there's allowed in unless they find you say something. A few years ago, Billy Graham issued a profound warning that if God doesn't soon bring judgment upon America, he will have to go back and apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. So our nation has certainly fallen from its rich religious heritage. Now, this is a part I want you to get. Listen to this. It's going to sound like yesterday's news. It says, but many may not realize that despite our nation's Christian beginnings in only a few short years after it signed the declaration of independence, great victory, just after it signed the declaration declaring our independence, it had already been in a decline to a level of moral corruption and wickedness that would rival today's sad condition, today's Just a group of people like this sitting somewhere way back then, scratching their heads, looking, what's happened to us? How could we have fallen this far? And here we are, almost mimicking the same situation. It says, according to that late church historian J. Edwin Orr, in the post-revolutionary war years, drunkenness was of an epidemic portion a population of only 4 million, were considered absolute bona fide drunks. 300,000 of only out of 4 million people. Bank robberies occurred daily. Street crime, rape, murder was rampant. Citizens were afraid to go out of their homes at night. All us conceal and carry, guys. Profanity was the worst imaginable. Shocking in its filthiness. Once in a blue moon, whatever that means, needing a little bit of humor and laughter, you might turn on a channel that's supposed to maybe have something a little funny. You can't watch it because it's filthy. It's not funny. There is, it's, it's shocking. I like that movie, might sound weird to you, The Green Mile. But I like it because of the spiritual emphasis that comes from it. And I do. I weep when I see God use him through a movie I know, but use him to touch sick people. And I think, oh, God, will you do that again today? So I happened to see it yesterday on TV, a channel. And I thought, I'll turn it on. Just a regular cable channel. I didn't know it had cuss words in and it wasn't long until the cuss word came out right there on TV in my living room. I'm thinking, are you crazy? Nothing is sacred anymore. You really can't watch anything. It's shocking. And that's what they were saying then. I can't believe the filth that I hear from women. Their mouths. I can't believe it. I can remember going to something to support our daughter when she was in high school in that all girls uh, event. And I can re- still remember carrying in the pizza. And you, you might laugh. But, and I, re- I remember hearing girls belch like truck drivers. Now, look, look, uh, I was stunned. I was shocked. I was like Ruth. Listen, because you expect men to be slobs. I don't know why we should. We're made in the image of Almighty God. But it has filtered down through. Not ladies, but women now. It's shocking. And then they go on and talk about this day and age. The spiritual climate of the nation was withering. Listen to this. This is our history. Presbyterians met in General Assembly to deplore the ungodliness of the country. Both the Methodists and Baptists were losing more members than they were gaining. The Lutherans and the Episcopalians were struggling, even considering merging for the sake of survival. The Episcopal Bishop of New York, Samuel Provost, had confirmed, listen to this, that he quit the ministry. The bishop of New York. I'm done. I quit. Samuel Shepherd, a pastor in Lenox, Massachusetts, said that he had not taken one young person into church membership in 16 years. Now, listen. This is at the signing. Right after the signing, I would always think, man, wouldn't it be possible to be saved then? When the gospel was accepted and people loved it, and churches were filled. Not now. In this horrible time that we live, that's not true. I'm reading. It's history. Recorded history. And then it says this, a poll at Harvard. Do you understand Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Dartmouth? Do you understand why they were brought together and birthed? They were to, br- to produce preachers. That was their sole reason. To produce preachers to keep this nation humble and on its knees. So, right after the signing, they're now talking about this. A poll at Harvard revealed that there was not one believer in the entire student body. Not one believer. At Princeton, only two believers were discovered among the students. These are the schools that were supposed to be producing hot preachers. Only two in two colleges. Christian Christianity, it says, was generally ridiculed. Sound familiar? A mock communion was conducted at Williams College. Anti-Christian plays were performed at Dartmouth in New Jersey. A Bible was taken from a Presbyterian church and burned in a public bonfire in America. You think I was reading today's news. Christianity was on such a, such a minority on campus, listen to this, that they had to meet in secret and kept minutes in code so that they wouldn't be caught or persecuted. They couldn't say, Lord bless you, Jesus loves you, come to our Bible. They had to do it in code. Ruth and I used to write in code to her sister who was trying to teach English in China. And you just can't write, open your letters and read them. And she would write to us saying, I was just talking to my gardener. You know my gardener, his name's John. And she's telling us she's reading in the book of John, writing in code in China. Here they are right in Dartmouth, Princeton, and Yale, and Harvard. Having them to write in code because of how far our nation has fallen. Listen to this. At this time, the chief justice of the United States, John Marshall, wrote that the church was too far gone ever to be revived. Do you understand? That's long before any of us. So whatever they decided, whatever they were doing back then, affected us. We were coming, although we weren't alive yet. We were still coming. We were going to be birthed and part of this. And here they were saying, forget the church. It's so far gone. There was a time when church was welcome in the community. There was a time when, when pastors had a little bit of clout in the community Chief Justice says, it's too far gone ever to be revived. Kenneth Scott, the church historian, said, it looked as though Christianity was a waning influence. About to be ushered out of the affairs of men. Indeed, it appeared that the church in America was endangered species. By all indications, the nation had rejected the Christianity of their forefathers. Sin and moral decay flourished. That's American history, church history. That's your history and mine. But something incredible occurred. Which changed what seemed to be an impossible situation. Are we in an impossible situation? A revival of prayer erupted that changed the destiny of our nation. Not a new political party, not a new guy on a white stallion or a lady. Prayer erupted. The destiny of our nations, it was so low and filthy. The awakening of prayer seemed to first begin in the British Isles. In 1792, just a year after the death of John Wesley, a renewed spiritual hunger revival began to take hold in Great Britain. John Erkskine, a minister in Scotland, wrote a little book on prayer which stirred the hearts of people And he sent a copy to the famed New England theologian, Jonathan Edwards. At its lowest, disgustingest point ever in America. A little book. I mean, think of it. Now we can say, oh, what was that book? I want to read that book. Yeah, you know about the book. Just getting it in the mail, another book. whatever it was. He, along with another New England preacher, Baptist pastor Isaac Backus, were instrumental in arousing a national interest to prayer. It can still happen here. I just read that history repeats. There's nothing new. Man, we're, we're at the sludge of it. Or we're walking in it. No matter where we're at, Christ is not wanted, not loved, Mocked, persecuted, we see undercover film videos of what they do to our babies, what they want for a head and a body and an arm, thinking, what? what's happened to us? In 1794, the spiritual climate in America was at its worst when Bacchus called upon the ministers of America of every American church to unite in prayer for the nation. God was with these efforts. The churches of every denomination responded to the National Appeal. Soon, a network of prayer meetings. Do you you remember that Franklin Graham went to all 50 capitals and had prayer meetings? When did that ever happen before? I've never seen that in my lifetime. No one's ever done that. That's happening. There's the swell. It's happening. He came to Columbus. I think they had 9,000 people show up or something like that. Was anybody there? It was like 9,000, I heard, or 10,000 people showed up for prayer. What I'm trying to show you is that you can't go by these natural eyes, and you certainly cannot give up, no matter what happens. So it says, churches of every denomination responded to the national appeal. Soon a network of prayer meetings emerged across the country, coordinated to pray in unison, beginning on the first Tuesday of January, 1795, and then each court. Coordinated. I've never seen this before until this year. When I first saw it, I thought, how cool is that? We can pray for every state. And we did it through every day in October. And a bunch of others all over our nation did it too. It is out there. And it is stirring. He goes on and says, Predictably as people sought God's signs of revival began to be seen. It was first evident in New England sweeping through Connecticut. Then on to Massachusetts. Our history our history, American history. In Logan, Kentucky, Logan County, Kentucky, if you're from there, it says where sin was somewhere on the scale of Sodom and Gomorrah. A Presbyterian minister, James McGrady, I read about him, held unified prayer meetings every third Saturday and at sunrise on Sundays. In a letter he wrote the most he said In a letter he wrote that most of the winter of 1799 was spent weeping and mourning with the people of God. Finally, in the summer of 1800, great camp meeting revivals swept Kentucky and Tennessee, burst over into North and South Carolina, and swept the frontier. Our history. People like you and I were at the point of despair and discouragement and about to give up and say, What can I do? against all the corruption in our FBI and IRS and justice white house oh what what can we do this is what we can do this is where it is i understand today america looks absolutely hopeless hopeless it does appear morality and spirituality is bankrupt in our nation bankrupt But as we discover, there's always hope if God's people will come together and pray. You must understand, this is history. That we're sitting here like we are sitting, hopeless, thinking, what can we do? But they wouldn't quit. Someone just came up with a little book, a little idea. God dropped it. I don't know how, what's going to happen with us. A little book, a little something, a little idea someone came up with. And I did it my first time when I looked at this. There's so much, it comes across my desk. It was seeing the states that caught my attention. I thought, look in this. I'm not saying this. I'm telling you that people are being stirred to come up with various prayer meetings and ideas that haven't happened in my lifetime. Of trying to serve God. It's happening here, and you and I cannot. We are placed here for such a time as this. We are on that Route 40 to be a light to this place. And you cannot give up. Amen. The light is going out in America, and it is getting dark. And a little bit of light that is left is being absolutely noticed now. And that's where the persecution will come. Because the light is being noticed. But there'll be others that will be drawn to the light. There'll be others that are saying, We knew something was missing. I remember when I first, first saw the gospel. I accepted it when I was, it was first explained to me. You must be born again. I didn't go, Come on, man, hit the road. I, what? What are you talking Huh? God has salvaged our nation before. That revival swept through and it kept the, the thread of spirituality in our country. Even maybe as as weak as it is right now, but it was there enough for me in 74 to hang on. Because a group of people somewhere said we we can't give up. Don't walk by sight. And that's where we are. Matthew Henry once wrote, "When God intends great mercy for His people, He first all sets them praying." You've had to feel the tug to come and pray. Matthew ten says this, and Jesus, looking upon them, say, "With men, you're absolutely right. This is impossible." But this is not with God. We must believe this, not just quote this catchy little thing or wear it on a sticker on your chest or a bumper of your car. With God, all things are possible. He's done it before. Scripture says history just kind of repeats. We're at that low, unbelievable level. Maybe we'll plunge more. People of God have got to be stirred to continue to pray, to continue to trust and believe Almighty God. Listen to these. Elijah prayed. He's just a dude like you and me. Elijah didn't float. He was a guy. Elijah prayed. And God sent fire from heaven to consume the offering off the altar he had built in the presence of God's enemies. God will still throw down fire today. Elisha prayed. The son of the Shudamite woman was raised from the dead. (gasps) Someone prayed for me when I was the walking dead and I came to life. And I still remember the lady that prayed for me, Grace Bittner. Long gone now, little Presbyterian lady. And I would run through her house like a wild person, playing with her son. And when I got right from God, she called. Is it true? Is this the Joe that used to run through my house? And I visited her when she was old, old, and thanked her for praying. And she said, I never, never, I watched you for years. But never thought you'd be one that would come to Christ. Daniel prayed. And the secret of God was made known to him. For the saving of the companion and changing the course of history. Because one guy prayed. Jesus prayed at the door of the tomb of Lazarus. The one who had been dead for four days came forth alive. The thief prayed, and Jesus answered him, This day you will be with me in paradise, hanging on the cross about to take his last breath, a good-for-nothing, filthy, vulgar thief. Jesus, remember me. Paul prayed, and hundreds of churches were born in Asia Minor and Europe. Peter prayed and Dorcas was raised to life. That's what we're telling. That's what's in you. Not this, yeah. We Go tell Bruce. The whole church prayed for you. And see what he says. I'm watching the Browns. Or will he say, thank you? Tell them thank you. John Knox prayed. And the results caused Queen Mary to say that she feared the prayers of John Knox more than she feared all the armies of Scotland. Yes, sir, and that's in you. You She'd say, devil, you've pushed me too far. I'm going to my knees. John Wesley prayed and revival came to England, sparing her the horrors of French Revolutionary War. Because of one guy, Jonathan Edwards, prayed here in America. Revival came to Northampton where more than 50,000 people joined the church. 50,000, bigger than the city of Zanesville. Because they didn't give up. They didn't faint. Discouraged. If she wins or if he wins history has been changed time after time because of prayer now it's our time you're the ones that are here you're the ones handpicked by the hand of God I didn't call you up and ask you to come here I didn't save you I didn't bleed and die for you Almighty saved you placed you here And you're getting a witness in your spirit by being here and hearing the messages. History can again be altered and changed again if people went to their knees in believing prayer. Not that much further down the road, 50 years, again, Americans' moral recovery began when Jeremiah Lampere, a concerned layman, not a minister, not a pastor. You don't have some piece of paper hanging something. Who cares what that is? He just looked at his beloved country and was going, what's wrong with us? Somebody's got to do something. So he started a noon prayer meeting. And I, you know what? When I, and I knew about this dude. And when I would hear that, I would go, yeah, Right. Yeah, new prayer meeting back in 1850. All kinds of people will come. Now no one comes. Let them try it now. Well, that's before I, I read about all this history. They were as bad as we are. He just was being moved upon by God, like you and I. In New York, in New York, are you kidding me? Go to the countryside somewhere in Alabama, maybe it'll work noon prayer meeting for the New York businessmen cutthroat of society for the bottom almighty God six people came to his prayer meeting on September 23rd 1857 in the third floor of the old Dutch Reformed Church on Fulton Street in case you're from New York by spring he didn't give up that was September, October November, January, February. By spring, daily prayer meetings sprung up in many locations and daily attendance grew to 10,000. How many was in Columbus? 10,000. America's greatest spiritual awakening was underway. In this country, your nation. Sure, you've been to New York, lots of you. Listen what this says. Ships coming into New York Harbor came under the power of God's presence. How awesome would that be? I always pray. We prayed today this morning. Will you pull on the parking lot? You start to feel the presence of God. Ships, heathen sailors spitting, who knows what the heck kind of a, pulling into a port. Maybe of a foreign nation to them, maybe their home nation. They're feeling the presence of God. On one ship, a captain and 30 men were converted to Christ before the ship docked. Just from the presence of God. That's what we need God back on the throne. Four sailors knelt for prayer down in the depths of the battleship, the North Carolina, anchored in the harbor. And I would think of it today. I was in the military. I was in the Air Force in the late 60s and early 70s. All it taught me was how to drink and how to drink well and fast and quick. I didn't see any Christianity in the military. And probably not so much today either. If you're a chaplain and you're talking for Christ, you get discharged, thrown out, reprimanded, all kind of. So here they are way back then. I'm thinking, back then, didn't they love God back then? No, these guys were hiding in the belly of the North Carolina battleship, praying. It says, they began to sing, and their ungodly shipmates came running down to make fun. But the power of God gripped them, and they all humbly knelt in repentance. You don't know what's going on when you pray, when you just sing and give God glory and worship. What's that sight, Mike? God? God in my city? Is that what I told you? God belongs in my city. Put that put up there, please. Okay, you just established in 2009, probably by... Franklin Graham or Billy Graham or Carter Conlon or David Wilkerson, you know, all them guys. Well, let's see, can you scroll it up? Is this the one, Mike? In October 2009, a youth group, New York, a youth group passionate for God in New York, saw an atheist advertisement campaign in their subway system which stated, A million New Yorkers are good without God. Are you? In New York, where filth and glitter is blasting all around you on those huge screens. They decided they had enough. And they started selling t-shirts and organizing walks that says, no, 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 no. God belongs in my city. God belongs. You see... We let them throw prayer out of school. No one said, hold it, hold it, hold it. No, no, no. God belongs in our schools. We let them throw them out of our government. No one said, whoa, wait a minute. Hold up. It's our government. Church has been quiet. I came across a video that I'm sure none of you have seen. This is a video of people praying in New York. Started from this youth group. You have to have it fairly high and loud in the beginning to hear. It's like seven minutes long. We're not going to watch all that. Just about three minutes. You can see, see what's happening. Maybe one of the worst cities in our nation next to Chicago, New York. October, this is. Not 2009. October. Will it work? Good. Listen. Fill this city. In New York, last week, Let's stand as we get ready. Rod. What news did you see that on? Let this put hope in your heart. Let you be stirred to keep praying, keep coming keep asking, keep standing in the gap. Lord, we will fight for you. Our God. I was absolutely pumped when I saw this. Started by a youth group in 2009. This was last October, a week ago. Right before Halloween, maybe even on Halloween. In our nation, we have history of prayer in our nation. We have people who stood up, people like you and I, that said, no, we want God in our city. We want God in our country. But it takes prayer, people who sell out to pray. We're going to sing that song that they were singing. Come to this altar. Ask Almighty God. Lord, make me a warrior for you.